Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like, their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal. My first guest today is Joanna Newding, a cannabis lifestyle guide and the host of the very famous podcast, Casually Baked. So happy to have you with me today, Joanna. Yay, Kira. I'm so happy to finally be here in person. I've known who you are. We've been connected through women employed in cannabis, but never in the flesh. So I was happy to hug you. Me too. Me too. (laughs) And I'm happy to have you on my show today. The only interview I have had on my show with another female host in the PodConnects network is Joy Beckerman from Hemp Barons. So it's really wonderful to have you on and get a chance to talk to you today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you're in the hot seat today, and I've got three questions for you. Drum roll, please. Question one. What has been your experience as a woman in the cannabis industry? Good, bad, ugly, all of it. You know, I think... I try not to see it through this lens, but oftentimes I feel like I'm not taken seriously. And Mm. it's something, I have a baby face. I'm a 46 year old woman and people still call me girl. And I feel like that's part of my struggle in the cannabis industry is that I don't look the part. And I, you know, I don't know if it's, that I'm bubbly and smiling and laughing mm-hmm. all the time, but people don't want to take me seriously. And that drives me insane. It really does. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I started my podcast is because I'm like, this message that I have, the education that needs to be shared, I'm not able to do it in a meaningful way and get support. So I'm just like, I need a microphone, I need a megaphone, I need to be able to amplify this message and who cares if the industry is not into what I'm doing. I know that I have valuable information that people outside of this cannabis bubble need to know. And so has your show helped to make you more serious in presentation? Has it raised your credibility with people? What has having that podcast done for you? Having a consistent message for six years on this podcast. You've been doing it six years. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. For five years every week, 
And um, the last year, I gave myself the mother of all breaks and went to a bi-weekly format. But yes, being a consistent voice and constantly showing up, now a lot of those same people want to be on my show. And, and so, yeah, I think um, just consistently showing up and not backing down, not being the wallflower, just continuously showing up, saying the things that not everybody wants to hear or talk about. Like, you know, my last show was just about cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. Mm. And a lot of people in this industry don't want to talk about that. They don't want to acknowledge that. And frankly, there's a lot of people that don't even know what the hell it is. May not even know they have it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think the show has helped elevate that. But for me, the hole that I always saw was in education. And there were people filling a bunch of holes in the industry, but not someone that I felt was filling this educational hole for the consumer. You know, I came from the California cannabis market and I'm a Texas girl. And so when I got there, there's an expectation of your knowledge level around cannabis just being in a market that's that mature. But the truth is the majority of people aren't at that educational level. So we've got sophisticated branding and marketing happening, but if you're not simplifying the message for the end user, what good are you doing? Yeah, it just kind of becomes a circular conversation. Right. Yeah, a circle jerk. Yeah. If you'd yeah. like, to call, <laughs> you'd like to call it that, we can. <laughs> so that leads me into the next question about what does it mean being a lifestyle cannabis guide? And how does casually baked play into that? So one of the things that I noticed very early on in my relationship with cannabis was that I was using it much differently than my peers and I was microdosing before microdosing was a thing. I didn't know. I just knew I'd gotten to the point where I felt good and I didn't need to go past that. So for me, being a cannabis lifestyle guide meant that I was going to help onboard people in a highly responsible way into this world of plant medicine. You know, in my 20s, I was on antidepressants, I was on sleeping medication, I was on muscle relaxers, and I was a very numbed out version of myself. And when I, I went to therapy once a week for an entire year and kind of graduated out of that and then started working on taking myself off of these medications and supplementing with cannabis. And I really feel like I flourished as a human being. I became more compassionate. I became more conscious. I became more in the moment. And I was able to have orgasms again, which is also a fun Fantastic. side effect of being off all of those drugs. And so it was one of those experiences that I'm like, I want to share this with people. I don't want people to be afraid of cannabis. A lot of people have had a bad first experience and then they just write it off that it's not for me. But that's what happens when you're having to buy cannabis off the street and you don't know what you're getting. And so for me, it's like, okay, if I can create this opportunity to have educated consumers, then an educated consumer is going to be inspired 
to bring a, along their city or their state into the legal market. So it's almost like it's been an invitation to get people to come out of the cannabis closet. So I was doing this in the Bay Area, but you know traffic in the Bay Area. I can't see more than, I mean, three clients a day max. You're in traffic the whole time. And I'm like, okay, this isn't working. I can't reach enough people. I need a, a megaphone and I have a degree in broadcasting, so let's use it. So I just plugged a microphone into my computer and started the podcast and just like, okay, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I know that there are a lot of conversations that I'm having in a one-on-one -on -one or a two-on-one situation and the hand-holding that I'm doing, taking people to a dispensary and helping them choose the right products for them. I know that this is a message that more than these few people want to hear. Mm -hmm. And so Casually Baked was born and I, I love the the teaching aspect of it, but also the community building mm -hmm. that happens. Mm -hmm. Because once people step out of the cannabis closet and they're uh, empowered to talk about this new experience and this new relationship with cannabis, that touches everybody. Every, you know, I mean, I just did an episode recently on sleep. It is performing off the charts because we all have trouble sleeping. People have trouble with anxiety. People can't turn their brains off. And so, you know, by just listening in, being a fly on the wall or, you know, being a, a passenger in their, you know, uh, commute to work every day, I, I call it, uh, you know, can of confidence. I'm in the business of can of I confidence. Love I love that. So I, I love what you're doing because ever since I've become part of the cannabis industry, the one thing that I've preached over and over to people who are entering the industry is, now you're here, your job is whatever your job is, and also cannabis activist. So whether that's taking up policy issue, whether that's educating the consumers, whether that's getting out in your local community, and one at a time educating per people face-to-face, -face, we all have a responsibility to take that role on for the health and longevity of our industry. And it's a very unique role when most people enter, you know, healthcare or the military. It does not become, now you also have to become an advocate and an ambassador for this industry across the board, starting with your families, moving into your local community, your local politics. How has participating in this changed your relationship with the cannabis industry? Becoming an educator. I feel like I'm more compassionate to the industry and the people that are in it because I think we all start it because we love the plant so much and we all choose a path that feeds our soul, whether or not you're cultivating, whether or not you're a scientist in a lab analyzing and creating these COAs that these other businesses are going to use. We all come in because we love the plants and then we all get shit on by governments and policy and all of the red tape involved. And I've lost my ass in cannabis and I know so many other people that have lost their ass in cannabis. And so it's like, okay, I don't necessarily agree with how you're running your business, but I recognize your back's against the wall right now. And you're having to make decisions because you have a family to feed and you have a mortgage and you have a car payment. And so it's, you know, being an educator is important for all of us. 
like me educating consumers helps these Emerald Triangle farmers who are losing their ass doing the right thing. You know, being regenerative farmers, you know, growing sun-grown cannabis, doing the work, and then, you know, the price of their product is plummeting and the taxes that they pay are going through the roof. And people get so blinded by the bling of celebrity cannabis brands that they don't even, they overlook the really good shit. And so for me, I feel like me educating consumers is something that I do not only for myself, for the legalization of the plant, but also for everybody that works in this industry. When I asked you that question, your eyes welled up. And I find that a lot when I talk to women. It's kind of nice. This is my first in-person interview. So it's nice to be able to look you in the eye when I ask you these questions and to see your reaction. Because when I'm talking with a lot of women in the industry, you know, friend to friend, once we kind of hit that level where we're really talking about the humanity that it takes to be in this industry, it's so powerful. I get welled up a lot, too when we start talking about that depth of it, what people are really going through to hold this industry together and that it's something that galvanizes us and it actually, it's kind of, we're all in the same boat in a way that people in other industries don't experience and it's so heartfelt. Yeah, and you know, at the beginning of MJ BizCon, you know, they have like a a wrap up of, you know, this year and the five most mature markets, cannabis markets, are having a down year. You know, people are making less money. The industry's making less money. The legacy market, the, you know, quote-unquote illegal, you know, cannabis is thriving in these markets. And it's because we've been set up for failure. And so it's like, okay, how do we all collectively start putting the water back out of the boat? You know, it's filling up. And what do we need to do to, you know right the ship so to speak so it is emotional for me I mean I just moved back to Texas because of all of this you know whenever the the lockdowns happened you know my studio in Oakland got shut down and there's you know $2,300 a month in rent that I need to cover that there's no money to cover it. I literally lost $8,000 a month in income just like overnight. And, you know, it's like you start playing all the games and try to figure out what to do. And at some point it's like, okay, I just got to throw in the towel, take a knee, go, you know, lick my wounds, regroup, and then come back. And most people think I'm crazy for coming back. Okay, you're coming back. What does that, what are you feeling about the future of the cannabis industry that you are coming back? Hmm. What's coming for us? What is keeping you here? You know, it's the advocacy work and the teaching, reteaching people civics and their civic Mm. duty and that they can make these changes that they want to see. One of the things that I'm really excited about that I'll be doing in first quarter is I'm going to host in this new little town that I live in a town hall style podcast where I'm inviting the entire community and we'll have people within our industry in the area 
in Texas talking about the decriminalization that has just happened in five cities in Texas and how many people want the option to grow their own medicine in their backyard. Like, let's rally. We don't need to wait for federal legalization. We don't even need to wait for our state to legalize it. We need our community and our municipality to understand. And then who cares what the fuck happens everywhere else? In my community, I am safe to use my medicine in my way. And then other people will see that. And then other municipalities will do that. And then before long, it's a no-brainer that your state's going to legalize. It's a no-brainer that your country's going to legalize. But it all starts with these small, intimate conversations and these groups of people that are small enough that they see that they can be the change. You know, the when I think about trying to affect change in Oakland when I lived there, where do you start? Who, whose attention are you going to get? Can you, are you honestly going to reach out to your city council member and get a response within, you know, a week or two weeks? When you're in these smaller intimate groups, it's, there's just more momentum for the change. And so, you know, for me, I think that's how this is going to change because these new markets that are coming online they're doing great. I mean, obviously, anything that's new, it's going to grow like crazy. But we need these, you know, like in California, the majority of our state can't access, they don't have a dispensary near them, you know? So it's like, yeah, sure, cannabis has been legal here for a really long time, but how many people actually have access to it in a meaningful way? Well, I think we're only at like 25 percent penetration in the entire state, meaning 25 percent of municipalities are allowing Yes. It. And so that means I think believe there's less than 800 dispensaries in the entire state of California. And we have what, 40 million people in California? I, I don't even know, but I know that yeah. there's like 2,000 dispensaries in Oklahoma and you could probably fit oh. 10 Oklahomas in California. Oh my God. I had no idea. Wow. Well, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't mind getting on the soapbox. I've been told to use my inside voice my whole life. I am loud. <laughs> I'm loud and I will be loud. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Joanna. And I would love to have you back and talk more in depth about what you're doing in Texas. Some of the challenges you're going to be facing, the wins that you might have. Texas is a really complicated state. It's a red state. There's a lot of resistance to cannabis legalization. So I'd really love to hear more about your story and your fight there. Yeah, so wish me luck. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Kira. <laughs>